It is Brian Scalabrini. It's the big baller, baby. Fogasaw. It is the Kevin Matomo. This is Hugh Jackson. This is Pete Rose. And you are listening to Down to the Wire here on Wildcat 91.9 during sports. I'll never let you Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into an exciting episode of Down to the Wire. Here on a Friday, we made it, everybody. We did it. You made it through the week. It was slow, and it was grueling, and, and at a blisteringly slow pace. I mean, a snail could make it cross the finish line faster than this week could have gone. But anyway, I'm Paxton Gordon. I hope you all are doing good today. Normally, I have Joe Tillery sitting across from me in the chair, but he is out and about in the great, wonderful state of Colorado. Hashtag... Hometown, home state, let's go. He's doing his bowling tournament, so shout out to him. Hopefully he does good. So I have a co-pilot for today. He'll be around for a, a little bit. My man, Christian Bright. I have a few classes with him. An aspiring sports fan. Going to put him on the show every once in a while, get him some more experience. My man, how you doing today? I'm doing great. It's a good Friday. We got nice weather. Even better, the Masters is The on. Masters. Let me get it rolling for you. That is right. The soothing... The best song in April. The beautiful, you know you've hit April when you can just, you hear this, come on. Augusta, a very beautiful course. Tiger Woods, you know, all the greats getting the jacket. What couldn't you think of a better April besides April Fool's and the NFL draft? But if you are an otherworldly sports fan, this music comes on and you're at home. You are at home. So we are here in the Masters week. It just started, I believe, yesterday, and we've already got some big headlines. So, Christian, I want to start off with this. Tiger Woods, unfortunately, could not make it due to the interesting situation that he he, he found himself in with his unfortunate injuries. Who did you have coming into the tournament your number one? So my number one, he had a he had a pretty good weekend last weekend. He's my guy. He's probably my favorite golfer on the tour right now, and that is my man, Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth, minus four. Four under today. He's now at um, minus five. He is done for today, but he is sitting currently tied for fourth. Finally coming back. Let's be real here. Jordan Spieth, at one point, was the best golfer in the world. But for some odd reason, whenever you are crowned best golfer alive at the moment... You proceed to, for the next two to three years, just completely poop the bed and it become bad. It happens to all of them. Um, we could say that right now about Dustin Johnson. Speak of the devil. <laughs> there he is. Dustin Johnson um, honestly had a pretty bad performance uh, these opening two rounds. They, uh, they finished up. Everybody's done for the day. And if you're looking at leaderboards right now, uh, they cut the field off, I think, at 50. So if you, mm -hmm. were, uh, plus, if you were a plus three, you made the cut. Um, before I got here, I watched Dustin. He was at plus three going into 17-18. He bogeyed 17, so he's Oof. plus four. He then has to go and birdie 18. Bogeys that one. <laughs> Misses the cut. See, here's the deal, okay? I am not a pro golfer, okay? So I can talk a lot of big games saying, how many times have you played at this course? You won it last time. I don't know if they played last year because of COVID, but you, you won it last the last time they had one. How can you 
screw up. You need a birdie. You've done it so many times in your career. The one time you really needed it, you, you fall through the you fall through the bed. Well, on 17, the putt he missed was a very makeable putt. That's what got me. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, and then the, the seemingly the pressure's on on 18. You have to get down there, and you've got to perform, and he didn't. And he didn't. And guess what? Now he's out. Unfortunately, the number one ranked golfer in the world is currently out of the Masters. So, we do, though, have a very, I wouldn't say unorthodox, but very noticeably present leaderboard at the top with names we know. Of course, Justin Rose, he's always up there. Justin Rose is is one of those guys that he's, he's not at, like, Dustin Johnson levels or Bryson DeChambeau, but he's just always in competition. He's always there at the top when people like DeChambeau, Johnson, um, Tiger Woods, Falter. He's always there to pick up the crumbs. It's just solid overall. He's, I think Rose is just a very consistent golfer. Like, if you look at uh, round one, after hole eight, he scorched it. He got an eagle on eight, eight on round one, so that would be yesterday. Then he goes in birdies nine and ten. Then he goes in birdies 12, 13, 15, 16, 17. He kind of had a, he had a rough start today. Hole one, he goes for he opens up with a bogey, which just lets you know you can have a great day at the <laughs> Masters and have all all the motivation and all the hype from the world going in the next day, and then first drive of the day, kind of sliced a little bit, and then it, it just humbles you. That course is so hard. I will mention today though, um, yesterday greens were a little rough. Uh, that first bounce on the green, if it didn't play softly, it kind of messed you up. <laughs> today humidity was up, slight breeze on the course. Got the greens a little bit softer. Also, it seems to me greens are playing pretty fast right now. And so, I mean, a yard or two difference is either sending you off the front or backside of the green into water or having to make a 30-foot putt, whether, I mean, at that point, that's probably a two-putt. So, mm -hmm. I think that's what makes golf just so hard is most of the tournaments aren't just like a one-day affair. So you're always going to have to adapt every day to what the course is going to play. As you said, one day it's going to play stiff. The next day it's going to be, you know, it's going to be as soft as pedals, and you have to really put an oomph into your putt to get it that far. And maybe that's why Justin Johnson struggled on that puff, on that putt. Excuse me, that probably cost him his chance of making it through the field, because the day before he probably said, "Okay, well, this is how the length of the the field's going to be for it." But now that we come here today, all thrown out of whack. <laughs> I think I th honestly think Dustin just had a bad weekend. Mm -hmm. I think he'll bounce back. It's the first major of the year. Got three left. So I'd like to mention some other names that I was a little bit surprised by. Roy McIlroy didn't make the cut. You could visibly see the frustration on his face on the course. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was missing easy putts and just bending over on the putter. Just get him telling you. Just so frustrated. You get at some point number one in the world. And your career from then point on just kind of falls apart unless you're not Tiger Woods or Phil Mickelson. Well, Phil barely made cut. I was <laughs> wa did. I was watching it. <laughs> I was watching this afternoon at like two o'clock, and I'm like, Phil's not gonna make cut. It's lucky he made even today. I'm not gonna lie. I know he was not. Uh, he was not looking great, but he's at plus three right now. I'm pretty sure. Yep, he ends today, uh, tied for 48th with plus three. Uh, Sergio Garcia unfortunately doesn't make the cut. Plus four at tied for 55th. Kucher didn't make it. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of... Brooks Kepka didn't make it. And I think that one is more... Not surprising, but should be known. Because he's been playing through some knee issues. Yeah, he has. He's for, injured. He he had a surgery 
that is supposed to have a four-month timetable recovery, four to six. And he's playing golf one month after that surgery. So, one, you can't question how, how tough he's going to play through it. But at the same time, I nobody had expectations for Brooks Kepka to make it. If he made it to, if he made it past the cut line, hey, that's a great weekend. That's a great two days of golf for him. Mm-hmm. I, and heck, there's no shame. You could be like, oh, well, on my off day when I'm basically hobbling around, I played better than half the field. I beat the number one guy without a leg. It feels right, like. right, right, right. So, and then there's one guy that we talked about earlier in today who's up at the top of the leaderboards that you were actually present, or who was pleasantly surprised to see. So, yeah, we have Will Zalatoris. I think I just butchered that name, that last name. We'll get to know him at some point but, in, the, um, in the future. <laughs> young guy, Masters debut, six under, one shot off the lead, playing out of his mind. But Will, I mean, this may not be out of his mind. We may see a lot of good things to come out of this guy. Um, he played very, very well today, especially on the back nine. Um, so, I mean, he's six under. He's well within the range to win this tournament. That, that's also, besides just the changing turfs that make um, golf so exciting, it's just in these type of tournaments, you're going to see people that you've never heard of at the top of the, uh, top of the board. You know, of course, one couple years ago, Jordan Spieth. No clue who this man was. He comes on and he tears just it up, blows away the competition, and then from that point on, we're like, "Whoa!" And this guy then goes on a tear with tournaments after that. This could be the beginning, and I really think the third day is when things we start to tell if he can keep it <coughs> together. Because I know a lot of people say, "Well, the the fourth day, you know, the last day you're playing when it's really on the line is when team or when when players start to struggle." I think it's the third day because you at least know then you're in this. You're you're in this to go. And normally the top guy on the fourth day is more worrisome of it being the fourth day than the guy in second or third. See, I think that on the that fourth day, that back nine, Oof. if you're in the last pairing and you're two shots down, <laughs> it just gets, <laughs> and that's it why gets it's, exciting. And that's why it's tough as well because he's going up against, you know, Justin Rose and Jordan Spieth is there. The people that have been doing this for a long, long time and have been through the pressure. This guy, first big tournament, and it's the Masters of all things. He he's in go. the top two, and he's going to get up against some of the best in the world and has a chance to win $11 million and the jacket. I, This kid is going to have an, unbel- an, an amount of pressure that I don't want. No. But, <laughs> but here's the thing. If he shoots well tomorrow, has a good round, I think he's got a lot of confidence going in on Sunday. If he's in that last pairing and he's going shot for shot for Rose or who, whatever happens tomorrow because we don't know what's going to happen. Of course. If he stays in it and he's in last pairing and he's going shot for shot with leader, we may get some free golf. <laughs> and you know what? I ain't opposed. I ain't opposed. On a Sunday, a beautiful Sunday, going to see some free golf and possibly <laughs> another great shootout. Sign me up. But anyway, that is the Masters. And before, actually, before we switch topics here, do you have anybody? I know you've, you have your affinity for Jordan Spieth. Who do you think will win the Masters? Who's going to do it? I think Justin Rose is playing way too consistently right now. He only shot even today, but I think if he takes that demeanor into the next couple days, I think he's going to be a tough guy to beat. He's playing consistent throughout throughout all 18 holes. Playing a little bit, slightly better on the back nine, from what I can tell. But um, 
the consistency if it stays. I think it's going to be tough to chase him down. He could also blow the doors off. He's been, like today, he played a solid back nine. So, we'll see what happens. I think, I'm going to steal your thunder. I'm going to go with Jordan Spieth. I think the time is now for Jordan Spieth to pick himself up where he left off so many years ago, come in, there's pressure's not on him per se. He's right now fifth, top five. So he's not, he's still lurking. So he's not in a situation where he can stumble it away, knock on wood, yeah. <laughs> before it before he continues then to stumble it away. But I think if he just continues to do what he's doing and he gets into that final day rolling, and if the, again, greens don't change, the, I think Jordan Spieth can take it away from, from Justin Rose. Because we all know it's, it's happened a crap ton of times. You get into the final day as the leader, and then everything to choke it away falls apart for some reason. It's like the wind or your mantra. Everything just goes goes to the wayside. Well, I even think that happened last year. I, I forget the golfer who um, was tearing it up mm-hmm. on a back nine on Sunday. Just absolutely fell apart. But I think if Jordan Spieth wins this tournament, he's got two wins under his belt, back-to-back weekends, and then what will he do in the rest of the majors? I mean, that confidence has got to be soaring. Oh, yeah. He's going to be playing some of the best golf he's been played in a in a while (laughs) and with the number one guy gone what a better what a better opportunity to do that but anyway that is this is down to the wire here on a beautiful friday i almost said wednesday and tuesday whoopsie days i got all my dates messed up here tune in tomorrow at noon we're gonna have some soccer coverage here on wildcat 919 colin settle will be doing our first and unfortunately only soccer game of the year due to covid Yikes, I hate COVID. But you'll be hearing his column be taking on Iowa State, looking like an easy dub as it always is. And that'll be fun. So we're going to move on to Deshaun Watson Watch. And we're not going to play the music today. It's not a very good Deshaun Watson update today. Well, depending on what side of the fence you are on, this might be a very a very good Deshaun Watson update if you're on the, on the fence of him being innocent. So we'll begin here. Quick little two-minute clips from Ian Rappaport describing what transpired today against or with Deshaun Watson. You know, there was a development today. Rusty Harden, the lawyer for Deshaun Watson, filed a motion seeking a special exemption uh, to identify one of the plaintiffs. And, of course, the goal in the end for Harden and the defense team for Deshaun Watson would be that all of the alleged accusers, and there are 22 of them in the civil lawsuit, all of them be identified. According to Harden, failure to do so would result in, should result in all claims being dismissed. There will be a hearing tomorrow at noon to discuss this. Opposing counsel Tony Busby argues that he would do it in a confidentiality agreement. In other words, uh, agree to release the names, but only confidentially. Harden says that is not legal according to Texas law, which states, according to him, again, that pseudonyms cannot be named. The quote in this motion that stands out to me is, Mr. Busby is intent on conducting discovery by Facebook and trial by press conference. Meanwhile, this comes on the heels of two of the alleged accusers going public in a press conference uh, with Busby a, a couple of days ago. It also comes on the heels of some sponsors, including Nike, stepping away from Deshaun Watson. Meanwhile, the NFL continues its investigation into Watson, uh, potential violations of the NFL personal conduct policy. While the Texans have not said much, uh, Cal McNair and his family did say in a statement to season ticket holders that they are deeply disturbed by these allegations into Watson, whose future now 
I would say contains a lot of questions and is pretty up in the air in a lot of reasons. All right, so that was uh, Ian Rappaport talking about the transpiring events today of one Deshaun Watson. Now, this was very early on. This was, um, my gosh, what was this, 9 o'clock in the morning um, when this when this timed out. So it doesn't, I wouldn't say, hurt any chances. It just kind of sheds light to what the approach of um, Rusty Harden is going to be because... I want to say for some time, but for a majority of what's been transpiring between Tony Busby and the lawsuit, the civil lawsuits that were going on against him, it's basically been their frontal assault via conferences and and press releases. We haven't really heard the side of Deshaun Watson. We're now starting to get into a line of what that their uh, Deshaun Watson's legal team wants to do. So here is the second audio clip. This was um. Two to three hours later, when Deshaun Watson's uh, attorney, lawyer, um, was part of a hearing with a judge to see if they can get names released of up to 13 people, which then, and I'm going to spoil it here, turned into possibly just one big consolidated lawsuit instead of the 22 separate ones. And here's that clip right now. Yeah, that's exactly right. But a, a win for the Deshaun Watson legal team, actually two wins today with both of these hear, hearings coming down in his favor with the alleged accusers having to identify themselves. And you're right, these will be uh, refiled. We also learned today after uh, hearings involving Rusty, Rusty Hart and Tony Busby, the two opposing counsels, that these cases will be consolidated. So instead of basically 22, there will basically be one big uh, civil lawsuit facing now Deshaun Watson, also the Houston Police Department, is investigating it as well. But what Watson's team has argued is that he cannot properly, according to Texas law, defend himself against anonymous accusers. This now essentially makes sure that the accusers will be public. Uh, so for whatever that means, it means the uh, identities of the women are, are almost certainly going to be known. And however, Deshaun Watson's legal team will proceed, it will do so. But you're right. These are not going away absent Watson somehow uh, deciding to settle or absent these cases being dropped, which I don't get the sense anything is happening anytime soon. It also means that his future on the playing field uh, is a little bit up in the air. Uh, we don't know what the NFL is going to do, what the NFL is going to decide, if they are going to act at all. The Houston Texans haven't said much except for Cal McNair, the owner, and his family putting in a letter to season ticket holders that they are deeply disturbed by the allegations. So the limbo, the murkiness revolving around the future of Deshaun Watson, who, by the way, has also asked for a trade from the Texans organization, all of that will continue for the foreseeable future. Yes, yeah, so it will, of course, continue into the foreseeable future. And today, Rusty Harden did have a press conference where he talked about um, Deshaun Watson and what is going on from his side. So we're finally getting, I want to say Deshaun Watson's side of the story, but we're finally starting to understand what some of the things he did and how kind of devastated he was by these offense. Let us sort of begin here. So... According to Mr. Harding, who is the attorney, it is stated that Deshaun Watson cannot eat or sleep. He's worked so hard for his name. He cares deeply for his communities and take care uh, and takes every opportunity to give back. To see how these women and Mr. Busby are trying to tear him down is upsetting. That is from Mr. Rusty Harden's uh, 
another lawyer of his firm, her name is Rachel Lewis, who was also part of the press conference today, had to say about that situation. And there's also um, here there's some interesting side notes that I want to point out before we um, back off of the Deshaun Watson watch for today. He has, because of COVID, it is said by Rusty Harden that he has one to two massage appointments a week. A week. And I would assume when he's also alluding to these one to two massage appointments, they're not with the same person. Again, I'm of the belief that we, again, still... Take this extremely seriously. We cannot just brush off the claims that these women are presenting forward just because Deshaun Watson previously in his past, not his past, but in his past life experiences has shown that he is a respectable gentleman. We cannot push this aside. This All that's been coming out is just putting more doubt into the minds of not just the of the internet and of all the people that used to believe in him just because of the sheer amount of people that are filing against Deshaun Watson. And I will not take a stand just yet. I will not voice an opinion or show which side I am believing in at the moment. We just need to, everybody, keep our minds open to every possibility. Because we cannot just go out and slaughter a reputation, a guy's name, if he becomes innocent... But at the same time, we still need to keep present that this is a possibility and this stuff happens and needs to be dealt with. So yes, that is it. That is the Deshaun Watson update. It will continue on now that the lawsuits have been technically consolidated into one massive lawsuit. We will start to now get the ball rolling in terms of figuring out who the um, accusers are, we won't, they would. And we can finally start to understand information coming out about what was happening in these Instagram messages. What what, what was going on between the, the monsieur and Deshaun Watson himself. So, we will have to just keep waiting and seeing. Every week, tune in on Friday. Me and Joe, we'll discuss it. We'll talk about the watch. But that's it. Another part that has been happening in the NFL has been... Of course, I can't believe now it's happening. You you would believe the NFL would stop trying to, you know, bust its way into the headlines. You would think so. You would think they would, as they're getting prepared for the draft, kind of lay dormant and wait for the big day later this month to just completely unload on us, the public. That's not happening. Because we got... Trade shenanigans. That is right. We have trade shenanigans after free agency and a couple weeks before the NFL draft. Are you kidding me? What the blue hell? Trade shenanigans? Unbelievable. We've been hearing for weeks how Sam Darnold was going to be... What's the term? Not traded. He was still part of the future of the Jets, and they've told many free agents that Deshaun Watson, not Deshaun Watson, excuse me, Sam Darnold was going to be a part of the organization and their future plans at quarterback. Well, that, my friends, is just a big 
bunch of hoopla and baloney. One might call it them doing a big old rigmarole. They just kept blabbering on about how Deshaun, not Deshaun Watson, Sam Darnold was going to be a part of their future. Well, Mr. Sam Darnold was just traded to the Carolina Panthers earlier in the week. He will now be considered the starting quarterback for the Panthers. Would you look at that? I can't believe it. I thought entirely the Panthers were either dead set on Deshaun Watson or they were going to wait until the draft to make a move. Like wait until the week of the draft to decide whether they like a prospect at quarterback or if they were going to go then trade for somebody like, of course, Sam Darnold. No, they decided to pull the trigger right away. They did not need to see any more pro days from either Trey Lance, Mac Jones, Justin Fields to say, we know who our guy is. Our guy is going to be Sam Darnold. And it blows my mind. That is the decision that they decided to go with. Not just because... I am not an avid believer in Sam Darnold because there are glimpses that he can still be a reasonably good, quarter, reasonably good quarterback in the NFL. We saw in the last four games of the season for the past two years when he finally comes back from either an injury or the weird mono situation that he accrued, he actually becomes a very good quarterback. He has moved away from the Adam Gase black hole of suck to now to a promising, uplifting offense led by Joe Brady, the former quarterback and offensive coordinator for the LSU Tigers that led Joe Burrow to a national championship in what was a historic season for the Tigers. Now you have Sam Darnold, who is almost like Joe Burrow, just commits too many um, interceptions. He's a little too over-aggressive. Doesn't pick his moments well. In a system where they want you to be aggressive, it's like the perfect pairing. This is a great move for Carolina. Again, do I really think they should have made the trade now? No. I think maybe it was a little over-eager to pull the trigger. Because one, we still don't know what's going on with Deshaun Watson. He could either, again, be cleared... And he could become then available via the free via the trade. Or a quarterback falls in the draft that you just fall in love in. Because it's shaping up to be Mac Jones going number three. Blows my mind that that's actually a possibility. Over Trey Lance and Justin Fields. Again, all could be smokescreen from the, for, from the 49ers. But from what everyone's been reporting, it's looking like Mac Jones is going number three. So, because of that... You have teams like Denver, yourselves, and yourselves, the Panthers, looking to move forward and move up in the draft. Who knows what the Falcons are going to do? Who knows what the, uh, the Dolphins are going to do? So you could have traded up, but you decided instead to go with Sam Darnold. And you decided also to pick up his fifth-year option to keep him around. I think in the long term, it will be okay. Just because I think Sam Darnold needs a new start. Get away from the depths of hell that was Adam Gase in his offense. You get a fresh team 
that still has its number eight overall draft pick to get either a wide receiver, get help defensively, or get Kyle Pitts. So there's a lot of good options there. And now you go to maybe a competent offensive coordinator who can maybe fix the issues that we have seen for years coming from Sam Darnold. Over-aggressive. Poor vision. His pocket awareness is horrible. He's seeing ghosts, as he himself, Sam Darnold, would say he sees ghosts. <laughs> but yes, it's a good move. Great move. Maybe it was a little too early. I feel like you should have kept digging into the quarterback pool because there's a lot of good ones in there, and who knows what's going to happen come draft night. Something miraculous can happen. But when it comes to the side of the New York Jets, holy moly, you are a mess. <laughs> you as an organization are a mess. Okay. Yes, did we all predict that you would possibly go down the route of, you know, drafting Zach Wilson number two? It was slowly coming into view, but now you're really committed to it. And the only reason I am a little upset about you, the Jets organization, is just because I've heard quotes from signees that have signed on to your team that you were told... Sam Darnold was going to be your starting quarterback. Now, I don't like it when I get lied to. And I don't think um, men that are above six foot four and can bench press a mountain like it when you do that either. Uh, and I wouldn't get on their bad side because if they believed for some ungodly reason that Sam Darnold was going to be your starting quarterback... Why did you pitch it to him that way then? You kind of threw him into a trap. <laughs> you pulled out your trap card, as one a Yu-Gi-Oh member would do, and because of that, you trapped him in a contract to come play for the Jets, who could possibly be in the exact same position next year because they are the only team in the NFL in the NFL's history to be picking in the top Five in a span of five years. That is unfortunate. Not even unfortunate. It's your own damn fault. So I cannot believe that that's what you sold people, was that Sam Darnold was going to be your quarterback. But at the same time, why the hell are you coming to New York to play for Sam Darnold? <laughs> You've seen how he is in, in New York. You know how bad he's played. Why? Why in the green heavens are you coming to New York to play with Sam Darnold? Again, maybe that was just a, a misworded quote from some, of the, from some of the new signees. Maybe they really weren't told that and they were just trying to build up Sam Darnold's trade value. Still does not give you the right side of morality to play them like that. Play them like a fiddle. Do I think maybe Zach Wilson's better than um, Sam Darnold? Yeah. Just barely. Only because it's experience in the NFL versus one good year of production 
at a starting quarterback level for Zach Wilson. I would rather actually take the NFL experience because I've seen many of quarterbacks come into the NFL hyped up as the next big thing. I'm looking at you, Johnny Manziel. I'm also looking at you, Paxton Lynch. I'm never going to get over you. And then completely just falter at the starting line. So, I think some quick takeaways from this monologue. The Jets are a bunch of dummies. On the side of the Panthers, maybe was the load you had to give up to get Sam Darnold a bit much? Possibly, yes. Though the potential is sky high. So I would just keep it up. If you kept your number 8 overall draft pick, you are wide open to do anything else. Though, I'm not the only one who is mad at the Jets. Here is Mr. Mel Kuyper. Someone who rarely shows emotion as a human being, let alone on ESPN. This morning on Get Up, told Mike Greenberg how furious he was at the New York Jets. The Jets. Uh, I don't know how anybody can't love a win-win, Grandy. Obviously, the Jets don't because you had Sam Darnold. You bring in Zach Wilson. If you want to go that route, it's a win-win. If Darnold's great, you move Zach Wilson. If Darnold's not, you move away from, from Darnold. You go with Wilson. If you're 0 for 2, you're fired. You should be fired if you're 0 for 2 on two decisions at quarterback. Mike Tannenbaum, I'm going to drag you into this argument because you made me mad today as well. You're talking about Sam Darnold and Josh Allen. Josh Allen, when he came out, was hated on. Josh Allen was hated on back in August before he became great because they gave him some help, Brandon Bean did, who, by the way, drafted Josh Allen. When Josh Allen came out and was getting hated on, Sam Darnold, his good friend, defended him, said, you can't, he's never going to be a bust. He's going to prove all you guys wrong. Now Josh Allen has to defend Sam Darnold was being hated on. And then the two-quarterback thing in Carolina. Why not two quarterbacks with the Jets? You want Fields, you want Darnold, but you don't want Darnold and Wilson. If you had Darnold and Wilson... Okay, then you have the win-win. If you go with Darnold only, you get Kyle Pitts or one of those three receivers. Now Carolina has Darnold, and they can get Penny Sewell to tackle or maybe one of those receivers that drop. So for me, look past the numbers. Look at Sam Darnold in the end of the 2018, end of 2019, end of 2020. He showed he'd be good with very little around him. So maybe he didn't show greatness, Mike, but he showed he'd be good at various stages of the last three years. He's only 23. Great move for Carolina. Applaud it, and I would not take a quarterback there. I would get Penny Soul the tackle to be his left tackle, or I would get one of those receivers to go along with Moore and Anderson. You bring Darnold in, bring Arnold in to go with Darnold. Now you got weapons around the quarterback, or you get the left tackle of the bookend. I think Sam Darnold is vastly, vastly underrated, and I don't get the criticism because people just haven't seen it yet. They're going to see it like they saw it with Ronnie Ryan Tannehill once he escaped and got to Tennessee for a fourth-round pick, and Jim Punklet left New England to escape out of there. So this has happened before. It's going to happen again with Sam Darnold. Um, I mean, wouldn't that be something? <laughs> Every single quarterback that uh, Adam Gase has touched once they left his grasp, his slimy grasp of mediocrity and, and trend toward abysmal performance, comes out the next year under a new coach and offensive coordinator and just blows away the competition and is absolutely incredible. Wouldn't that just be something? <laughs> and then we can just make fun of wherever he goes. Because as a guy who touts himself as the next generation of coaches, a great offensive mind. You had two quarterbacks under your watch become mush and garbage. 
And now, when they leave, they become superstars and max contract-worthy players. Says a lot about you as a coach if that's what happens. And it's not really the fault of anybody else but yourself. So, heads up to any NFL team, any football team. Do not sign Adam Gase. Stay away. Just stay away. Anyway, this is Down to the Wire here on Wildcat 91.9. I hope you're having a beautiful day today. I almost messed up my words. Of course, earlier we had Christian Bright on. He unfortunately has departed to the heavens. He is off to his, uh, his house to enjoy the festivities of a Friday night. So it is just the Chair of Doom and myself. He's keeping me in line. I'm keeping him in line. Next Tuesday, we will be taking your phone calls. That is right. Next Tuesday on Wildcat 91.9 on Down to the Wire during the Sports Talk Hour, 6 to 7 every single day, we will be taking your phone calls. I will be screening you. So play nice. I will dump you. But anyway, next Tuesday, write it in your calendars. And if you want to connect to me um, away from the show, follow me on Twitter. That is right, at Paxton Sports, at P-A-X-T-O-N Sports. You can get the latest news and information from around the NFL, the NBA, uh, the MLB sometimes too if I'm feeling lucky. Oh, uh, I know it's been a while, and you all are concerned about the Colorado Rockies. I am not. So we are on um, day 37 of uh, No Rockies Watch. Just a little update. Day 37 of No Rockies Watch. Uh, But yeah, you can follow me at Paxton Sports. You can get the latest news and information from the NFL and the NBA. Some K-State sports as well if things go awry like they have recently. Uh, And that's about it. It's mostly pertaining to the Broncos and the Nuggets. I'm sorry. Hometown crowd, fun stuff, got it, anyway, anyway, let us go to everyone's favorite segment of the week, Celebrity Birthday, let us go, that is right, it is Celebrity Birthdays here on a Friday, I hope you're as excited as I am, because we got some bangers today. We got some banger birthdays. It is Little Nas X's birthday today. Of course, he's in the news recently for his Nike ripoffs that are touted as the 666 of the devil because that's his latest music video. So, who knows? And I heard there's that legally they settled, so that's all done. It's Christian Stewart's birthday today, the former lead of the Twilight series. Well, it's his birthday. said Jesse McCartney. It is his birthday today. Happy birthday to Jesse McCartney. We have Bianca Belair. It is her birthday. She's a WWE superstar. It is her birthday. In the sporting world, we have in the baseball, Ryan McBroom, AJ Ellis, David Robertson. Uh, and that should be it for that. For football today, Isaiah McKenzie, former Denver Bronco. Raheem Mostert, happy birthday to him. Graham Gano, very well-respected kicker in the NFL. It is his birthday today as well, so I wish everybody a happy birthday here on a Friday. That is April 9th. Happy birthday to everybody out there. And if you have any birthdays, I can give them a shout-out as well on the show. You just got to follow my Twitter, at Paxton Sports, shameless plug. 
I forgot how I was going to transition out of that. <laughs> but, oh, I know I'm going to do it. It is mock draft season, baby. That is right. We're in full swing of Pro Football Focus Mock Draft Simulator. I'm going to figure out how to condense the name sometime in the future. But we're going to keep it at the long name because it's funny. So, last week we did the Denver Broncos. And we traded up to number four to draft Trey Lance. Now, I planned on this week doing the Carolina Panthers, not because of Sam Darnold, before it happened before that just because they were also in the hunt for a quarterback, and we wanted to see what they were going to do at number eight. So, Sam Darnold has been traded to the Panthers. We are going to have a fun draft today because we know they don't need a quarterback. Or do they? You'll have just have to wait and see how the draft plays out. So, uh, last week we also had Trevor Lawrence not going number one to the Jaguars. It was Zach Wilson. He fell all the way to three, Trevor Lawrence did. Interesting. So, let us begin the draft today. We have seven picks. Justin Fields goes number one overall. Well-deserved. I think he should be number one. There's your hot take of the day. Take it as you will. Here we go. Number two, the Jets. Trevor Lawrence. And after Trevor Lawrence, it is Zach Wilson. So, no big shocker there. Now, here at number four, if... Sam Darnold did not get traded to the Carolina Panthers. I would have traded up here and gotten Trey Lance immediately. You just saw three quarterbacks go one, two, three. Okay? Because of that, we need to make a move. But because Carolina doesn't need a quarterback anymore, we can actually stay put at eight. We actually could possibly trade it down. Wouldn't that be something? We'll have to see how the board falls, though. So number four is, of course, the Falcons. They take Penny Sewell. Sad face for the Bengals. So the Bengals now have to resume finding out. They choose Devontae Smith. Then they got Jamar Chase going to the Dolphins. Number seven, the Lions take Kyle Pitts. Now, this is quite unfortunate. Um, the, the way the board actually fell for the Carolina Panthers is really bad. And I, I know, you're going to ask, why is it really bad? Well, one of the big needs the Carolina Panthers have is tight end and wide receiver. I want you, I know, this is bad radio, to name off one to two wide receivers that you know who play for the Carolina Panthers. Go on, I'll wait. I have all day. I don't need to, I don't need to, I don't need to say anything. <clears throat> Oh, you couldn't, you couldn't name any? Really? I know. Could you believe that? <laughs> they have a bad wide receiver group? So this is why it's so bad. You lose the Heisman at number five. The Heisman goes to the Bengals. Jamar Chase, possibly the best wide receiver in the draft. Many who are comparing to Julio Jones goes to the Dolphins. And then the next pick who possibly could have been a big difference maker for just your offense in general, Kyle Pitts goes to the Lions. Crap. What are we going to do then? Besides that, we need also a cornerback. With the way cornerback has been trending recently, 
do we want to spend the eighth overall pick? Because I don't. At the, at the current moment, we, of course, have Micah Parsons, Jalen Waddell, Trey Lance, Rashawn Slater, and Patrick Sertain currently on the board. Now, we're interested in three, er, two players. Jalen Waddell, Patrick Sertain. I think we move down. Because here's the deal. Jalen Waddell's average draft for, according to Pro Football Focus, is around the 12, the 12th pick. At number 8, it would kind of be a reach. I, I know Jalen Waddell was the most hype wide receiver out of Alabama before Devontae Smith came about. I just don't believe he can be the number one guy. And that's really what Carolina needs. They don't need a slot guy who is shifty in the backfield or in the open field that can run good routes. They need a number one. And at this current position, with the way the draft fell, you currently don't. So I believe the move is trade down. Also at cornerback, I don't really think with the way the cornerback market, especially in the draft, has been falling, they've all been trending down. Down, down, down the board. So I don't think taking one at eight is the smart move. So let us go and explore some trades. All right. So we have the Washington football team at 19. We have the Steelers at 24. And then the Jacksonville Jaguars at 25. I don't feel comfortable moving from eight to 19. What I do feel comfortable with, though, is trading with the New York Giants. I think the Giants are in need, but I I said I would trade with the Giants. I found an even better trade. How about we trade with the New England Patriots? The New England Patriots pick at number 15. They need a plethora of quarterbacks. They are stuck currently at the moment with Cam Newton. Trey Lance is currently on the board. Why don't we trade with the Patriots down at 15? They, they need to fill a need. Moving from 8 to 15, according to me, and with the way the draft has, has fallen, still makes a lot of sense. because There's going to be a lot of talent down there. Who knows how far Caleb, uh, Caleb Farley is going to drop. Jalen Waddle might drop. Hey, if worse comes to worse, Najee Harris is there. There's quarterback. There's cornerbacks galore. So I think the number 15 overall pick would be the move um, for us as the Carolina Panthers. So we're going to trade a first for their first this year, and then their first and second, and then seventh from Las Vegas next year. That trade went through. So here we are. We moved back to number 15. So... As we let the board go on, the, the, oh my gosh, the, the New England Patriots have taken Patrick Sertain at cornerback. Well, that's not what I wanted. I wanted them to take a quarterback. All right, Denver is here at number nine. They take Trey Lance. As a Broncos fan, wouldn't be opposed. Here we go. We're up next. Cowboys, number 10. They take Dar Christian Derrissaw at number 10. The Giants at 11. Take Micah Parsons. How about the Eagles? They take Jalen Waddell. Number 13, the Chargers take Rashawn Slater from Northwestern to tackle. 
And here we go, the last pick before us, the Vikings take Aziz Ojalari from Georgia. Took me a long time to get that name figured out. So here we are. We are at number 15. Now, our draft plan went a little awry, if you couldn't tell. Jalen Waddell went to the Eagles at number 12. And then Patrick Sertan went at number 8 to the Patriots when they needed a quarterback and Trey Lance was there. Anyway, we'll get past that. So, we're here at 15. Our needs are quarterback, tight end, and cornerback. We don't need a quarterback. We got Sam Darnold. So, what are our options for quarter or cornerback? J.C. Horn is here. Now, J.C. Horn has slowly but steadily been creeping up the board. He only last year allowed eight catches for 116 yards total across his seven games he played this year. Really good. The Carolina Panthers are a man-focused team. J.C. Horn specializes in man-to-man -man coverage. Makes a lot of sense at this position. Take J.C. Horn. Okay, what if we don't want to go J.C. Horn? What else do we kind of got here? We got Rashad Bateman. An underlying wide receiver that kind of feels like Jalen Rager of last year. Somebody who's not at the top level when it comes to the wide receiver crop. But somebody who's in the middle. Maybe like a Justin Jefferson. Let's make that a better comp in terms of where he's going to get drafted and where he's placed. He has really good jump off the scrimmage. Jump off the line potential. Big man. He has size. He has speed. He also has one of, if not the best routes in the college football. He's a really good. Is he as good as Jerry Judy was last year? Hell no. But he is the best route runner. And I think for a team like Carolina, who has DJ Moore, a big wide receiver, and Robbie Anderson, a big wide receiver, having somebody who is really good running routes and shaking off defenders really fits well in this offense. So that's an opportunity to take there. Now, a position, or a guy, excuse me, that's really been flying up the boards has been Greg Newsom II, cornerback from Northwestern. He has been kind of like the, un, not unsung hero, but the unsung quarterback that everybody's been keeping their eye on. Because we all know the top three were J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertain, and then um, Caleb Farley. But Greg Newsom has been slowly but steadily pushing his way up further and further into the first round. He shares the same styles as um, J.C. Horn. Somebody who's good in man-to-man -man coverage... He only allowed 93 total yards when he was guarding or lined up with somebody all year. Crazy. The only issue is he only has one year of this tape where he's looked exceptionally well. As a junior, uh, not so good. And I think he's kind of the biggest risk is Greg Newsom III. But he has all, again, he has all the traits. Great man coverage. Speed. Athleticism 
His IQ as a quarter as a quarterback is really high. Now, a position I think not a lot of people would consider for the Carolina Panthers is linebacker. We all know Luke Keekley retired uh, because of concussions. They lost a bunch of plethora of other types of linebackers over the years. So why not take somebody like Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa? who in my mind is one of the better all-around athletes on the defensive side this year. He's a converted safety to linebacker, so we know he has the sideline-to-sideline speed. He's in the division with Philip Lindsay. Having somebody like JOK is what we call him, he would fit perfectly into Carolina defense. A run-stopping defense. And heck, if they need a cover guy, he fits it too. So that is an opera as a possibility. I just think the fact that we could not get a wide receiver or tight end kind of pigeonholes us into going with a cornerback. And then it's just a priority of what do you prefer more? Do you prefer do you prefer JC Horn or Greg Newsom the second? And if you prefer J.C. Horn, boom, J.C. Horn's the guy. If you prefer Greg Newsom, boom, Greg Newsom's the guy. Unfortunately, that's just how the board has fallen. I don't think taking Rashad Bateman is the play, unless I want to trade down again. But for the sake of time, I don't want to. I think you should take J.C. Horn right here. And that's what we're going to do. We drafted J.C. Horn with the number 15 overall pick. Now we're going to kind of see how the board plays out from here on out. Caleb Farley went next, so a good move to take a cornerback here. The Raiders then take Trevin, uh, Trayvon Morick from TCU. Uh, we'll do one more pick, and that'll do it here for us on this. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromo then going to the Dolphins. So that'll do it here for NFL Draft Talk, or the PFF Pro Football Focus Mock Draft Simulator. My name is Paxton Gordon. Hope you're having a beautiful Friday today. The weekend is coming up. Tune in tomorrow at uh, noon for K our coverage of K-State Women's Soccer, where our boy Colin Settle will be doing the call for the ladies. It's a very exciting time. I'm very upset, though, because of COVID um, has really hampered our opportunities to call women's soccer games just because we've only been two home games allotted all year. So, in the future, do, though, get ready, because we will be doing more women's soccer long after I am gone. But anyway, this has been another great episode of Down to the Wire. I'm so happy being here. As I said, tune in tomorrow for women's soccer. Also, tune in on Tuesday. We might possibly have Christian Bright back on to talk about the Masters. The finishing to the Masters, which ends on Sunday. And then, of course, I'll give you as much information I can on about Deshaun Watson, the NFL draft, and heck, we might be even be able to talk some NBA and maybe even possibly MLB. But anyway, this has been Down to the Wire. Have a wonderful week, and I will see you all on Tuesday.
giving you what you love. Alternative music on Wildcat 91.9.